Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 13. We're going to do the readings for Friday after Ash Wednesday. Okay, so... um, So, the other day we read... um, for Thursday, the Deuteronomy about loving the Lord your God and with all your heart and strength and, you know, and loving him. And then we had Christ talking about he who wishes to be my disciple, what wants to come after me, must pick up the cross, deny oneself, pick up the cross daily and walk, you know, follow after him. And this is what Lent is about. It's about putting God first. It's about making, it's about letting God important to you. And the idea behind it is also we got to control, we got to figure out a way of battling our personal pagan idols our sensual idols, the idol of the idol, the pagan idol of the eyes, the pagan idol of the imagination, the pagan idol that we cling on to, the materialism, the selfishness, the selfish behaviors, the the lust. And Israel, when they came, when they came out of Egypt, they were pagan. They knew they were ethnically Hebrew, they weren't called Jews yet. They knew they were ethnically Israelite. They knew they were the nation of Israel. But, and they knew about God, Yahweh, Adonai. But the problem was that he wasn't the only God. When they came out of Egypt, they brought some of Egypt with them you know they say you could take let's say the this person out of the like take take a an individual out of the bronx but you can't take the bronx out of the individual you know it's a, a saying you know people you can use it in different terminology but the pagan idol was still in their heart they had a twisted view about god and the same thing with the slavery the slavery, the, the, their slavery was a spiritual battle, a spiritual, you were a slave to the idols. You're a slave to your sins. And that's what we are. We are all in our own captivity, in our own bondage. And Lent is about breaking that. And we don't do it alone. We do it through the grace of Christ. We go out with him into the desert. We let him take over and he puts our, he makes us see our sins. He puts it in front of our eyes and he, and he, and and he gives us the grace to admit what we're clinging on to the pornography the sin of the sin of materialism, of uh, selfishness, the gluttony, 
all these things we need to admit in order to to become Christians, to become true disciples of Jesus. And then by this, we, we can bring, we can be a, ch a channel of grace to others. It's important that we, we learn to do this. All right, so let's begin. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me and for me to the Lord our God. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Okay, folks, let's begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So fasting will make one cranky and I and I had that problem today at by the time 12 or one o'clock came along yeah um, at work I wasn't I um, wasn't in a great mood okay uh, this is going to be from Isaiah 58 1 to 9 is this the manner of fasting I wish. Reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord God, cry out full-throated and unsparingly. Lift up your voice like a trumpet blast. Tell my people their wickedness and the house of Jacob their sins. They seek me day after day and desire to know my ways like a nation that has done what is just and not abandoned the law of their of their god one here on. not abandoned the law of their god they ask me to declare what is due what is due to do them they ask me to declare what is due to them, please to gain access to God. Why do we fast and you do not see it? Afflict ourselves and you take no note of it. Lo, on your fast day, you carry out your own pursuits and drive all your laborers. Yes, you, your fast ends in quarreling and fighting, striking with wicked claw would that would that today you might fast so as to make your voice heard on high is this the matter of fasting i wish of keeping a day of penance that a man bow his head like a reed and lie in sackcloth and ashes do you call this a fast a day acceptable to the lord this rather is the fasting that i wish releasing those bound unjustly, 
untying the thongs of the yoke, setting free the oppressed, breaking every yoke, sharing your bread with the hungry, sheltering the oppressed and the homeless, clothing the naked when you see them, and not turning your back on your own. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your wound shall quickly be healed. Your vindication shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then shall, then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, word of the Lord, thanks be to God. So when we read that, it it appears as though almost like a social justice uh, message. You know, the kind of thing that you would hear a lot of woke people today would talk about. But in reality, it... It only proves one thing, that God himself is true. You don't need someone like a social justice warrior telling you uh, about feeding the poor. And, you know, it's not a socialist thing. It's not a Marxist thing. But it's true. You can't just go to your own corner and pray and ignore what's happening around you. The fact remains it's, it's healthy what God is saying to us because we are we are social creatures. God God is a tr God is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is family. God created God was God is a father. Adam and Eve are his children. God is the father of all creation. He created all of us. He, you know, he, he created Israel. He gave Israel their identity. You don't need Karl Marx to tell you about fighting for, for the poor and the homeless and clothing the naked. It's, they didn't invent it. This came all from God. This here is about loving your neighbor. And it's about loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And it's about loving God. You love God, so therefore you have to love your neighbor who is made in the image and likeness of God. You know, fasting, yes. He's not saying not to fast. But he's saying you're not fasting from selfishness. You're not fasting from greed. You're, 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 you're not, you're, you're, how can you fast if you're still, if you're doing all this and you expect me not to see? You could fast all you want, but if you're still evil, then how can you, how can you expect God? It's like you're saying God is blind. That God is a fool. That God is dumb. He can't see. 
He can't see what's the point of, of, you know, like remember Jesus said about the Pharisees. They have a sad look on their face and they look miserable when they fast because they want people to see that they're fasting. That's just a show. You know, it's a show. God is not blind. God is not stupid. God is not shallow. He sees and he knows. He knows the truth. Okay, and, and what he wants is that in order for us to be healthy people, we have to give a little to the hurts, to kill our pride and to kill our vanity. Clothing somebody, even if the person you don't like, it's actually healthy. I mean, I remember um, a story I don't know where I heard it. There was a, about someone who was always depressed, constantly depressed, unhappy. And the, this particular priest had a solution. He invited the person to come to a homeless shelter, to a soup kitchen. And I don't think the individual liked the idea you know, because people who are like very depressed, they tend to be in, introverts, in, you know, constantly, you know, not able to get out of their shell. And I think they remember the story was that in order to get the person to stop thinking about their own miseries, he wanted the person to focus on others other people's needs put you know help pass food along uh help someone uh find clothes um help fix beds in order that the person can stop looking at their own misery and then start looking at others they, therefore, they would get out of themselves, out of this captivity to themselves and not expect, you know, and he, and, and this would help the person to heal. Because, you know, a lot of people were taught today, me, 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 you know, what I need, what I want. And then, of course, what happens is you, you, you're so focused on yourself that you no longer, you know, you don't appreciate anything. You don't appreciate your friends. You don't appreciate your, your, your loved ones. So in order, so the priest wanted to show the person, get out of yourself. Help others. And don't remember, like Jesus said, give and don't expect anything in return. Uh, don't let the person know you've given him anything. Um, and just, you know, only God who sees in secret will, will reward you in secret of your own heart. And this is the whole point of it. Fasting, yeah, is good. And it's good to have a relationship with God. But 
I think the good thing to do is do a kind deed to a stranger. Hold the door. Maybe help somebody carry ba uh, bags. Give your seat to somebody. Sacrifice standing on the train. I, you know, it's it's not the best thing in New York City, but you know, um, you know, just you know, just say something nice, kind to somebody. Or was it my friend Henry told me once? A a, fr a Franciscan priest told him. You know, you may not know this, but God put you on earth and put you in a particular place to say a kind thing to somebody that needs to hear it. A kind thing that could help save a person's life. Could look at it that way. All right, let's um, move on. Okay, Psalm 51. So this is like a... Pretty much a penitent psalm for um, for relent, right? Because it's a psalm of David when he committed uh, the sin with Bathsheba and had her husband murdered to cover his adultery. All right. Psalm 51 and the response is, A heart contrite and humble, O God, you will not spurn. Have mercy on me, O God, in your goodness, in the greatness of your compassion, Wipe out my offense. Thoroughly wash me from my guilt, and in my sin cleanse me. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. For I acknowledge my offense, and my sin is before me always. Against you only have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. A heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. For you are not pleased with sacrifices. Should I offer a burnt offering, you would not accept it. My sacrifice, O God, is a contrite spirit, a heart contrite and humbled, O God, you will not spurn. A heart contrite and humble, O God, you will not spurn. All right, so I want to read the entire psalm. Okay, Psalm 51, Miserere, Repentance for Sin, for the director, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had sinned with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, in accord with your kindness. In your abundant compassion, wipe away my offenses. Wash me completely from my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am fully aware of my offenses and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Therefore, you are right in accusing me and just in passing judgment. Indeed, I was born in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. But you desire sincerity of heart, and you endow my innermost being with wisdom. Sprinkle me with hessop, so that I may be cleansed. Wash me until I am whiter than snow.
Let me experience joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed exult. Hide your face from my sins and wipe out all my offenses. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a resolute spirit within me. Do not cast me out from your presence or, ta or take away from, from me your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of being saved and grant me the strength of a generous spirit. I will teach your ways to the wicked and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guilt, O God, the God of my salvation, and I will proclaim your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will proclaim your praise. If you take no delight in sacrifice, if I were to make a burnt offering, you would refuse to accept it. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a contrite and humble heart, O God, you will not spurn. In your kindness, deal favorably with Zion. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteousness, sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole oblations, and young bulls will be offered on your altar. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. I have to say one thing I love about the Psalms is that it's prayer in poetry and poetry in prayer. Think about it as someone like this wrote this 3,000 years ago, right? That someone was able to feel this way. Someone was able to think this way. I mean, we like to think we're so sophisticated, that we're so advanced, that we're better than the past. And yet, someone like this can love God, think about God, and wants to express his love for God in, in these kind of words to write them down and the fact that they survived, that they survived. And you know, it's divine. It's, it's, it's by God's hand in the, the chosen series. There's a scene in the last episode, episode eight, it starts off in 990 BC and you see King David and I believe she's Bathsheba. They don't give you really give you her name, but it's Bathsheba. I, I would like to think it is. And they go into this chamber room and there's um, Asaph, uh, a, uh, a one who writes, I guess, lyrics and psalms. He's mostly someone important uh, in the time because obviously we have psalms attributed to him. And I don't know, but I think one of the traditions, the legends, is that he was also from Bethlehem but that he might have taught David how to read and write, which is because he saw that David was a, a um, was great in, in, in words and lyrics and music with his heart. I mean, that's, that's a tradition. It's not, I, you know, but it's nice. It's nice to think of it, but, and they work in Psalm 77 and they got a choir of men and the men are humming. 
and the choir master, the conductor is, you know, taking care of the, the music and Asaph is reading Psalm 77. And they, you're going to hear that Psalm repeated throughout the episode, but it was a nice, beautiful picture of that past what could possibly have been, how they could have done it, how it could have been done. But you have to feel something. One of the important things about that, uh, about the desperate, angry Psalms, or Psalms that are pain, pain, is that what I've learned about that episode is that if you are in pain, do not keep God out. Angry and desperate Psalms I've learned teaches you to bring, let God come in. Let him, let him, let him come into the pain. If you shut God out, the pain is not going to make any sense. It's not, it's not going to make any sense. God wants to come in. And he did that. We, he showed us this through his son, Jesus, Jesus, who came and participated in our pain. In, in, in his, he took on the incarnation, the a God with two natures, human and divine. And he was absolutely, truly human with a human intellect, a human will, a human consciousness, a human psychology. He was human in every way and he was still God. But if you, if you, if you, you know, close yourself off, you know how some people do this when they're, they're completely in shock and they're in pain. They're, they're afraid. They even shut their family members out. They shut their friends out. They shut their wife, their family, or the wife shuts her husband and kids. The shock and the trauma is so much that you just don't want to let anybody in. And you do the same thing by not letting God in. And what happens? You let you marinate in the pain, and the pain doesn't make any sense. And you, you simmer in it, and you let it drown you. And, of course, there's that beautiful scene where they had the walking on water, and had Simon... Peter, who's angry about a tragedy with with him in Eden, and he's angry why Jesus didn't do anything. And the whole point is that why God allows trials, allows tragedies, is to strengthen our faith, to strengthen us and make us stronger. He permits it because he wants us to be strong. He wants us to grow more. He's not saying the pain is going to end. But he will make you stronger because of that pain. You know, it's true what Nietzsche wrote. What does not kill you makes you stronger. It's true. But that, in his, in his view, Nietzsche's view, it makes you angry and hateful and uh, bitter. But in God, you become more You become more. You're more like God because God wants to raise you up and make you stronger and more holy, but also you become compassionate and merciful to others. 
I mean, I don't know if it makes any sense. It should make sense, I guess. But you remember Job. Job never got an answer. And maybe it's better not to get an answer. Because I don't. I think in some cases, in our human psychology, it'll never make any sense. But I think it's best that we let ourselves be embraced by God. And let him hold us and we'll go through it. And he'll help us. He'll give us the grace we need. All right, let's move on to the gospel. Okay. The gospel. Um, I think it's taken from Amos chapter 5 verse 14. Seek good and not evil so that you may live and the Lord will be with you. Seek good and not evil, so that you may live and the Lord will be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 9, verse 14 to 15. When the bridegroom is taken from them, then they will fast. Okay. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The disciples of John the Baptist, approached Jesus and said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast much, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, one more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, St. Matthew, chapter 9, verse 14 to 15. When the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast. The disciples of John the Baptist approached Jesus and said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast much? But your disciples do not fast. Jesus answered, Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And uh, forgive me, but I want to mention this. Uh, they did this scene. They did this passage in The Chosen. And it was beautifully done. What exactly does he mean by that? Why the bridegroom is with them? How can they fast when the bridegroom is with them? But when the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast. And then, of course, was later on in the chosen. They mentioned how new wine cannot be placed in old wine skins because the old wine skins are stiff, and they've already been used. But new wine for fresh wine skins. And what does that mean? What does this metaphor mean? It, they actually did a good job explaining it that the ways of the kingdom 
the kingdom he's bringing into the world, that he that Christ has brought into the world, do not fit into old formats and, constru- and, and constructs. Okay, because, well, there's a scene. Before he came, what were you fasting for? And they said, for your coming. Okay, so what's the point now that he is already here at the time when he was walking on earth? So when he's taken away, they will fast because we will be fast for his return, but we also be fasting to be holy, to destroy sin in our lives. So we will be fasting for repentance of sin, but not in a shallow way, not in the old structure, like which was the killing offering sacrifice of animals and bulls and goats and sheep on an altar. No, because Christ is our sacrifice. Christ is our fulfillment. Christ is the fulfillment of the the law and the prophets. But still, we, we have to fight sin. We have to acknowledge that sin that you know we are slaves to our passions and we're slaves to selfishness and we want we don't want to love people we don't want to share we don't want to love our neighbor we don't want to love our parents we don't want to love our brothers and sisters we want to hate people sin makes us unclean and so therefore Christ is saying you have to fast to acknowledge your sins, and to ask for grace and mercy to break away from these sins. Fasting basically makes us focus on God. We invite God in. When God sees that we deprive ourselves of our passions and lusts and we let him in, that's that's the way to go. That's, that's what we need to do. That's why Psalm 51 is about repenting, is about Admitting, you're admitting you're a sinner. You're admitting you have these problems. You're admitting that you have all these selfishnesses, all these things that keep you away, that make you difficult to get along with, that make you difficult to be a holy person. We need to do this. We need to break away from these things. And let's, you know, let's do it. Let's let Christ take over. And let us carry our cross and follow him and fast. We can fast even from other things. We can fast from food. If you can't fast from food, maybe you can fast by not paying attention to the media, to the, to all the stuff on the news. There's a lot of ways. Just ask God to help you. All right. So let's begin in our father and uh, we'll say a Hail Mary. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. All right, so maybe more than we I needed to say, but let's let's try the best we can for this lens. Let's focus on the gospel. Remember, I said stick to the daily readings. Meditate on that all day long. Think about it. If you use the daily readings from the mass. It helps you because at least you know everybody's reading this. It'll make you, you'll know you're on the same page, on the same platform. That's the way it goes. All right, so God bless. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.